This is the Monoology Podcast. Monroe County, Ohio is my home. With your hosts, Mike and Joey. This week's Morrow County Flashback, brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society. Well, this week, um, for the historical portion, we're going to be talking about the great train wreck of 1898, and I will be reading an article that was written by Jim Miller that is included in Lest We Forget, uh, Vignettes of Morrow County that was put together by Charles Mosier. I, I knew most both of these men great historians. So I'm going to read it just as it was written. Numerous wooden bridges span the east branch of the Whetstone River in Morrow County during the late 1800s. The most imposing of those structures was the 200-foot Toledo and Ohio Central Railroad Bridge near the John Lauren Farm west of the county fairgrounds. Trains passing through this bridge added to the picturesque scene of the valley as observed from the hills east of the fairgrounds. Built in 1880, this bridge was made of heavy wooden trusses reinforced with thick iron rods. It had tall wooden sides and was covered with a sheet metal roof to prevent fires from sparks which spewed from the smokestacks of locomotives. Alongside the railroad bridge was a smaller Noah's Ark-style covered bridge on the township road where the Bow Span Bridge is today. On Monday evening, September 25th, 1898, train number 53 pulled into the Mount Gilead Station, which was located where Ellis Concrete is today. The train crew, under the direction of conductor D.W. Young, broke the train in two and began switching cars onto the yard siding. The train was still standing on the main track with its caboose and one car on the bridge. In the meantime, train number 55 had left Fulton with a full head of steam and its throttle wide open in anticipation of the steep grade coming into Mount Gilead. This train was loaded with coal and general freight. As number 55 passed the water tower just south of the bridge, the engineer, Harry Hutchins realized there were train cars standing in the bridge. He shouted to his firemen and brakemen, and they all jumped to safety just before the locomotive entered the bridge. Moments later, there was a thunderous boom as the train splintered the caboose. The locomotive was derailed and fell through the bridge floor. A fire broke out almost immediately. Soon the flames were being fanned through the entire length of the bridge by a breeze from the north. The covered bridge on the road below was soon on fire and spectacular flames lighted up the entire valley and surrounding hilltops. Hundreds of people from Mount Gilead, Edison, Cardington, and the countryside assembled to witness the scene. There was nothing to be done but to watch the fire. Station Agent Busby was reported to have been very angry when the fire department did not respond to his call for assistance, but once the fire started, any attempts to control it would have been futile. Fueled by the bridge's dry timbers, the caboose and seven cars loaded with barrel staves, coal, crockery, and bricks, the fire burned brightly all night. Property lost was estimated at between $50,000 and $70,000. But thankfully, there, were no, there was no loss of life. Before daylight the next morning, 
Crews were at work in the ruins. About nine o'clock, a construction train arrived to prepare for putting in a new bridge. Within a week, trains were crossing the whetstone on a replacement bridge. Some years later, a steel bridge known locally as the Trestle Bridge was built by the railroad to span the whetstone. Long after the Toledo and Ohio Central Railroads was abandoned, the bridge remained as a landmark. It was removed about 10 years ago, and remember this was written in the, eight, in the 1990s, thus ending a chapter of Morrow County history. Jack Ramborger, who lives on the airport road, relates the following story of the wreck's aftermath. The next day, my grandfather, James Pugh, walked across the field to the crash site. The fire was still smoldering and very hot. Among the rubble, he found a slightly uh, scorched doll. He brought the doll home and gave it to his eight-year-old daughter, Mary Caroline. She became my mother. Jack's mother kept the doll for many years and told its story. He remembers seeing the doll when he was a young man, but doesn't know what became of it. And that is the story of the uh, great train wreck of 1898, as told by James Miller. And a true train wreck, and not what we use the lingo for today. That's true, that's true. All right, well great, thanks Mike. All right, this week we have a special guest going to talk about the railroad. So let's get chugging along with Donna Carver. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. All right, so you're going to talk about the railroad from our county. I, I am. And for matters of simpl simplification, I'm going to call the two different railroads by the shortest names possible. And the railroad that went northwest, starting at Peerless, which is just across the border from Marengo in Delaware County, uh, went northwest through Marengo, Fulton, Mount Gilead, Edison, St. James, and then on up to Galleon. So that one we're going to call the Big Four. It's been called by a lot of different names previously, but for simplification, we'll call it Big Four. Then there was the Toledo and Ohio Central, which went northeast starting from Ashley, through Cardington, it crossed in Edison. So Edison was a big stopping point because it was the crossroads between the TNOC and the Big Four, and then it went on north to St. James and then up to Galleon. All right, well, that sounds pretty simple. Before we started recording, you said the C, C, and C, the C, 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 and I, the C, C, I, A, B, D, C, F, and M, and It's G. definitely alphabet soup. Yeah, it yeah. was, I was like, can, can you please make this easier? Because I couldn't follow. So, all right, so um, what are you going to talk about today? Well, I'm first going to start um, talking about early train travel, and then just a little bit of information about each stop along the way. Sounds good. And early train travel was not a pleasant experience. It was really dusty, dirty, cinders and sparks everywhere. Uh, passenger cars were heated with coal back then, and so there was a lot of coal dust. The heat was awful in the summer months. There were no facilities for going to the restroom back then. Mm. There were no dining cars. Sounds crappy. No provisions for sleep. You could get sick easily because germs and disease spread easily. But in spite of this... People dressed in their Sunday best to get on the train. And in the earliest years, men and women had separate seating areas. Now, the railroad depots were a social center. Locals would hang out at the depot to hear the latest news or gossip, uh, either coming in from, you know, the passengers themselves. The telegraph operator was 
kind of like your town gossip because they got all the telegraphs and all the news. Uh, some residents went just go down to watch people and watch the shipments coming in. Early train depots were usually small, single-story buildings uh, with an agent's office in the center, and then they would have a protruding bay window which faced the track and a waiting room on one side and a freight area on the other side. In the early days, the Big Four operated 10 trains a day through the county, and the TNOC operated 18 trains a day in the county. The first railroad was surveyed in Mount Gilead in 1848. But unfortunately, Mount Gilead just thought, hey, they have to put the railroad through Mount Gilead. So they didn't bother raising the stock, the $50,000 for construction. And when the railroad managers left Mount Gilead, they stopped at Shunk's Hotel in Cardington for the night. And John Shunk convinced the railroad officials to follow a pre-surveyed route uh, for the Ohio Canal through Cardington. And so that's how we got the first rivalry between Cardington and Mount Gilead, because Cardington got the railroad and Mount Gilead didn't. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> uh, on, in January of 1851, the first train came through Morrow County, and the loudest sound in the county before 1851 was a church bell. Uh, telegraph lines were built along the railroad making instant communication possible for the first time. Now I wanna talk a little bit about the St. James Station. St. James, that's on the Monopoly board. It is. Is it the same? Uh, no, oh. unfortunately it's not. St. Okay. James was a, a small stop um, near Iberia. And uh, railroad officials went into Iberia and they wanted to build a station. If the landowners would invest $200 each to build the station. But they didn't want it. They thought the railroad was dirty and noisy, and they didn't want it. So as a result, the railroad made a loop through Galleon, bypassed Iberia by a mile to the southeast. And they built a small depot there on the west side of the track where County Road 51 crosses the railroad. St. James was also known as Iberia Station. So if you do research, those are one and the same. Uh, the St. James uh, Station had a post office there in 1935. It was closed. The depot itself uh, closed and was no longer an agency by 1949. That building was moved off-site and used as a storage at the feed mill that was at that corner. And you still see the grain elevator at that intersection today. Uh, what's interesting is the station master was Kenneth R. Grooms uh, for St. James. And when that closed, he also became the station master for Edison. Just moving one station to another, I guess, right? When one one closes, station to another. When one closes, another one opens. That's right. Okay. Um, then the next station would have been Edison. Um, I'm going to talk more about Edison when we get to the Toledo and Ohio Central portion. Um, but I would like to skip on over to Cardington, since we already talked about Cardington a little bit. Um, so... You know, Cardington thought they lost this wonderful opportunity in 1848 when Mount Gilead was designated the county seat. But when they managed to get the railroad, they realized that was actually a bigger deal for them than being county seat. Um, the Cardington station was both freight and passenger depot. Um, funnily enough, John Shunk became the first station agent. I wonder how he got that deal. Ah, insider trading. <laughs> the depot grounds itself in Cardington consisted of 12 acres owned by the railroad. And the village planted 250 maple trees to make this beautiful park. The passenger station was on what was then known as Railroad Street, but we now call it Park Street. Between 2nd and Walnut, 
uh, with the freight house, which itself wasn't born until 18, or built until 1858. In 1954, with the abandonment of the wooden water tank in Cardington, the end of the steam era came to Morrow County. The depot in Cardington closed in the 1950s, was torn down in 1963, and by 1966, only the freight house existed. In October of 1962, the Big Four, which um, later became owned by New York Central, deeded the railroad park to post 97 of the American Legion, who then leased it to the village for $1 per year, an agreement that continues okay. today. Now I know where it was at. I, I, I had no idea prior. The post deeded a portion to the village for use as a firehouse and municipal building, and the park is now 3.15 acres. So almost pie. Almost 3. pie. 3.14159. It was a joke, Donna. I got that. Mike, Mike's got it over here. Look I, at it. He's I laughing. I got that. Okay, Mike's not. I'll, I'll take raspberry. Talking <laughs> about pie. So now we have this rivalry between Cardington and Mount Gilead. Mount Gilead was really mad that they were left off of the original route. And in the 1870s, State Senator Alan Levering introduced something called the Enabling Act to the Ohio legislature, which permitted Mount Gilead to spend taxpayer money to build a railroad to connect uh, Mount Gilead with the main line in Edison. I think I know what the name was. What? Is it short line? It is. And that's on the Monopoly board, too. It I is. I, I think Monopoly really just came to Morrow County and said, we'll take that and we'll take that. I want to know where Boardwalk and Park, park Place, uh, yeah, Park Place. I want to know where those are because I don't own any hotels on that yet. I, I would like to know that, too. <laughs> but um, then the Mount Gilead Short Line Rail, Railway was um, organized. In 1879, they... Uh, started work on building a, a station downtown. And what gets confusing when you do research is Edison was originally known as West Gilead. And the, the uh, stop there was known as Gilead Station. Then they changed it to Levering Station. But unfortunately, there was Levering in Knox County and levering in Morrow County, and it really messed up the mail service. So they then changed it to Edison, and I did all kinds of research on, on that, and the only thing I found, there's no connection to Thomas Edison. It's just somebody on Cardington Council um, just thought the world of Thomas Edison and decided to name the town after Thomas Edison. I think the light came on for him. Hey, this is a great idea. <laughs> Man, funny. Mike, I don't know. I must have gotten the pun gene today. Because uh, I'm full of it. You are full of it. Yes, it's true. So, back. Let's Sorry get, to throw you let's off. Let's get back on track. Ha, the, ha. Ha. the two and a half mile track connected Mount Gilead to the Big Four. And the first ceremonial train went over the line on February 12th, 1880. It was a huge event. Hundreds of people came and lined the now, track. I need to ask you a question. You said yes. levering. Is that the same levering from Levering Hall? It is. It's okay, Alan okay. Levering, who... Um, Where the opera house is downtown. I could go into abandoned. all kinds of information on that, but you told me I only had 25 minutes, so you I do. have to keep on chugging along. Oh, mm. ha, ha. ha ha. In other words, we've trained you to stay in our boundaries. I think I can. I think I can. All right, moving on. The Mount Gilead short line was two and a half miles long, which made it the shortest passenger rail line in the world. The train was sometimes called Shorty. It made 16 runs a day. 
A one-way trip to Edison took 10 minutes with a maximum speed of 15 miles an hour. And the track was a single one, so there was no place for the train to turn around. So what it would do is it would go into Edison and then back up into Mount Gilead. Every once in a great while, the crew would decide to go on up to Edison or up to Galleon and turn around and come back to Edison and then back to Mount Gilead, so then it would do the opposite. Uh, first train derailment of the short line was in April of 1881. And in 1891, this was the biggest day, uh, the short line carried 21,181 passengers. And the, the short, short line? The short 21,000. 21,000. And the short line carried 1,800 passengers in one day during the 1905 county fair. Wow. The last run over the short line made by a local crew was June 29th, 1929. So that's the short line. Um, the original wood building uh, was torn down in 1924, and a new building was built. And you may recognize it. It's a brick structure on High Street, and it now houses the Mount Gilead Police Department. Yeah. So that was the short line depot uh, in 1929. Yep, totally. Uh, I actually can almost see that from the studio. Almost. Almost. You can. Maybe. Have to get up and look out the window, but yeah, could see it. Mike is now checking just to verify. There it is. I see it right there. My goodness. It is still there. It, it did is. not get stolen. It is. So we've talked about the big four. We've talked about the short line. Now I'm going to talk briefly about the Toledo and Ohio Central. Uh, the Toledo and Ohio Central came northeast up from Ash, or I'm sorry, uh, came north west from Peerless, Marengo, Fulton, Mount Gilead, Edison, and Climax. As Peerless, is that down uh, by what we know as Fargo today? In very, that area? Very close. Um, it actually, uh, trying to find the street. I didn't mean to throw it. No, that's okay. It's actually, th there's a road that divides Morrow County and Delaware. It's called the Mount Vernon Olive Green Road. And the TNOC Railroad crossed about one and a half miles east of Ohio 656 or five miles east of Fargo. Okay. So that was the Peerless station. Then as you're coming north from Peerless, now when you're reading the history books, you hear about Bennington Station. And a lot of people thought that meant Marengo. But when I was doing my research, I actually found a little stop called Bennington. But it was not an actual depot. It was a block telegraph office and a water closet. And what I think is really, really funny um, is I have a picture of it, and I can't show it, you know, on the radio. But it's, it's so tiny, and the outhouse is almost as big as the little telegraph stop. That's Well, their priorities are in order. They, they really were. So the Marengo Station would have been the first stop in Morrow County for passengers. Um, it was located at the bottom of the hill on State Route 229. Um, which I'm trying to think what's there now. Um, there's a gas station there. Um, On 229? Snyder's Mill mm -hmm. would have been right around very close to that area. But the last passenger train that ran through Marengo was in July of 1935, and the railroad ceased operation altogether in Marengo in 1972. So Marengo's station had a couple of fires. Um, so when you look at pictures, you'll notice that it's very, very different. But also in the uh, 1910 era, the TNOC did a lot of, of um, 
remodeling of the different stations. So then, then we go to Fulton, which was originally known as Lincoln Center. Uh, it was built in 1881. R. Emerson Gardner became the station master in 1913 and served that position for 34 years until he retired in 1947. Passenger service there ceased in July of 1935, and the depot closed between 47 and 48. But freight lines, uh, freight trains still used that rail until 1972. After closure of that station, the building was relocated onto private property along State Route 91 sometime in the early 1950s. And uh, the building's in, in pretty bad disrepair, but if you go down 61, you can still see what was the old Fulton Station. Then there was a stop in Mount Gilead along the TNOC. And this is where folks get really confused because there were actually two depots. There was the short line, which was the police station. Then there was the Toledo, Ohio Central, which is where Ellis Concrete is today. Oh, okay. But it was two differently, two different owned railroads and two different depots. Um, I didn't realize that. I just thought, I, I, I don't know why I assume that's where the short line came in or that that was just for the, for, you know, um, the co-op. I, I right. guess I never really thought of me. That's interesting. So there was a, a depot there. There was a depot there. And, and that would have all been farmland prior to, right? Probably. Or pretty close to. And when the New York Central bought both railroads, because at, at some point in, in uh, history, New York Central acquired both the Big Four and the Toledo and Ohio Central, which made two depots in Mount Gilead kind of redundant, especially so close together. So they actually dismantled the Mount Gilead TNOC station and rebuilt it in Bucyrus and they used it as the uh, station master's quarters. And I have pictures of that. I wish we could do this on television because I have so much uh, as far as photographs go. I'm gonna go on to Edison. Uh, the station in Edison was built in 1850. As I mentioned before, it was originally named West Gilead. Um, I'm gonna move on past that. Um, the original station was built on the west side of the tracks across from Vine Street, but when, when railroad officials wanted to move the building to where the junction of the Big Four and TNOC crossed, instead of building a new depot, what they did, uh, according to some published reports, was the workmen placed timbers under the station, moved it onto the railroad tracks, and then a steam locomotive was hitched to the station and slowly slid up the tracks to the new location. Um, and records of the New York Central Line, which, um, as I mentioned, acquired both of the railroads, list the date of the combined station as 1891. What oh. else was really cool about Edison was they had the interlocking tower, um, which that's, it's, it's a um, centralized network of signals at a busy location on a main line so that they could signal the different train operators. I could go into so much detail about that, but I will keep right on going. That'll past. be for another day. That'll be for Because you have so other. much information, we're probably going to have to make this a multi-part series. Now, the village name Climax is linked to the railroad. Uh, originally, the city was called Ray City, but in 1880, two track laying crews decided to name wherever they met and call it Climax. And so they built a depot at Climax, and the village adopted the new name. Uh, depot was built in 1881, and it was located just off of Keenan Township Road 71, just after you turn off of County Road 59. It was both freight and passenger, and uh, it closed in 1942. There used to be a big grain elevator there, but it uh, actually burned to the ground in 1962. Uh, let me just give you a few railroad miscellaneous fun facts. Um, in World War I, 
the federal government took over, over operation of the railroads. In 1918, a war trophy train with captured Army, German Army war souvenirs stopped in Mount Gilead. During World War II, railroads remained independent. However, war shipments took priority over civilian business. There used to be a place called Hobo Hollow, a campsite for transients who rode the rails, and it was located near the Lauren Road trestle bridge in Mount Gilead, which is over by Thistlewood Apartments. Oh, down behind the fairgrounds. Right. In 19... Which I think that, that overpass is still there, the overpass... like the foundation's there, but... Yes, yes. Okay, I yes, always wondered what that was for. So that was a hobo camp. There, there was a hobo camp there. There actually was a railroad bridge there where the train, uh, the TNFC train came over, and the concrete that held up that tr- the railroad uh, bridge is gone. Um, in 1934, the first uh, steam train passed, or streamlined train passed through Edison and Cardington, and it went 50 miles an hour. And it was such a big deal at the time that hundreds of people came out to see it. Uh, in 1945, the New York Central began operating its first regularly scheduled diesel-powered trains through Cardington and Edison. In 1946, a railroad strike lasted three days and shut down the nation. President Harry Truman gave striking railroad workers an ultimatum, settle or get drafted into the military. Well, that would do it. It pretty much ended that strike. Uh, in 1949, all of the depots in the county are changed to weekday-only operations. This one's kind of fun. In the early 1950s, the New York Central occasionally gave a baseball special. For $7.25, one received a Cleveland Indians ticket plus round-trip train ticket from Edison to Cleveland. Well, that's cool. I thought that was pretty great. In 1956, New York Central discontinued sale of tickets at Edison and Cardington, and you bought them directly from the train conductor. Uh, Only flag stops were now made at Cardington, and only one scheduled stop made daily in Edison. Then in 1972, Penn Central, who now owned owned the railroad, abandoned 44 miles of track between Mount Gilead and Licking County, officially ending the railroad error in Mount Gilead. The railroad siding still used today, though, is are the grain elevators in Mount Gilead and the grain elevators in Edison. Um, Well, that's interesting. (laughs) Huh. That's pretty cool. I know you have a ton more that you could share. I do. Um, I do. And we'll record. We'll get Donna in again to record some um, and uh, and go forward there because uh, this is going to be a pretty cool series. There's a lot she has about uh, I don't know three four hours worth of material that she could probably go through. Maybe we can talk her into doing some a Facebook live, get her into the theater and put it up on the. I could do that. Up on the screen, and you could present. Oh, that would be really cool. We could do that. We, we could do that. And, and it might be good to do even the Facebook Live in segments, because honestly, unless you're a die-hard railroad buff, some of this stuff is going to be like... <coughs> but well, we just woke Mike up over here. He, uh, he fell asleep. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He, I don't think he fell asleep. But He's been are, quiet, but he, I don't think he fell asleep. But there are some really interesting tidbits along the way that people go, wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. All right. So uh, we have just a few more uh, seconds here on this one. But who's the most famous person that has ridden the railroad that came into Morrow County? Probably Warren Harding. Before Um, or after being president? Before. uh, You know, when he worked for the newspaper, he actually had train passes. He got to ride the railroad for free all over the country, which is why his campaign for president was so successful, because he had free transportation all over. 
And uh, I actually have a photograph of what I believe is, is Warren Harding on his campaign trail at the Mount Gilead station in the 1920s when it was still the wooden structure and not the brick structure. I can't swear that's who it is, but in all my research, that's the only person I can figure out would have drawn that large of a crowd. And it was especially after women uh, won the right to vote and there were women in the crowd. So that's why I'm really thinking that that was Warren Harding. Great. All right. Well, thanks, Donna, for sharing your uh, passion of the railroad. And uh, we'll, we'll get you back to uh, finish recording. So thanks again. Thank you. All right. So on Facebook, we noticed the Friends of Cardington Fire Department are selling calendars in remembrance of the tornado uh, that... Uh, destroyed the little town there. Calendars are 16-month calendars. So yes, Mike, it is okay that it is June and you can buy a new calendar and it's not only going to be for good for half a year. They're actually 16-month calendars. They'll go from September of 21 to December of 22. They're $15 a piece and they'll have them at the Cardington Street Fair on June 25th and 26th. So stop by the local fire department there and get them. And they've got a few pictures here, lots of uh, some colored images as well as some black and white photos uh, from the time period. Um, and again, that helps to support the uh, local fire department. <laughs>